Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien. This is our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite, to let our souls stretch out and let our mind be clear about our life and how it is we want to live with higher purpose. When we look at uh, yoga life, living a life guided by the principles of Kriya Yoga, it's really about intentional living, living each day awake in the world, leading with the soul, and not being dragged around by circumstances. And we have the perfect topic today for living in a clear and focused way, because we're going to look at removing the obstacles to doing that in our life, how to unclutter our mind and our life. And we have with us today the perfect guest for supporting those um, insights, and that is Andrew Mellon. He's an organizational expert, public speaker, and the number one best-selling author of Unstuff Your Life. Uh, He offers classes and workshops through his online university called Unstuff You. He also has uh, a new podcast starting up, so you'll want to tune in to his website um, to be the first to sign up for that. His website is andrewmellon.com. He has consulted with large corporations and the Federal Departments of Education and Homeland Security and written articles for Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, and O Magazine, among other publications. Um, And he's also been with us on Yoga Hour before, so I'm so delighted to welcome him back. Andrew, welcome. I'm so looking forward to our conversation this morning. Thanks. It's great to be back with you all. 
And again, um, when you're just tuning in, I guess today is Andrew Mellon, and it's uh, M-E-L-L-E-N, andrewmellon.com. You can find about out about unstuffing your life. And before we... Um, <laughs> Talk about it. Let's let's do a little bit of that with just a very simple meditation to unclutter our mind in the moment. being free, being open, awake and aware in the moment. A yoga moment, a moment of bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously abide in our essential nature. And to do that is really simple. We just let go of attaching our attention and awareness to things around us, or even the thoughts inside of us. How do we do that? We focus. We get clear by putting our attention on one thing. Let's make that one thing now that we're going to focus on the breath. So easy. So feel the breath. As you breathe in, feel your breath moving in through your nostrils. Feel the coolness of the air as it enters your nostrils and touches the back of your throat. Feel your lungs expanding, your abdomen rising. And then feel the gentleness of the warmer air moving out of your body. Just like that. Feel that wave of the breath coming in and moving out. Coming in and moving out. The breath is very much like a wave. And if you examine very closely, you'll see that there's a crest to this wave. At the top of the breath, the crest of the breath, and right there, a moment of stillness, a moment of silence, and also, as you exhale, another point of stillness at the bottom of the breath. So as you breathe, simply be aware of the top of the breath and the bottom of the breath, cresting of the breath and the completion of the breath. As you become aware of those tiny moments of stillness, moments where there is no movement of the breath, let 
your awareness expand at that moment. Notice what it's like simply be free to be uncluttered free from engaging in thought activity free from needing to go anywhere or do anything free to just experience your essential nature which is inherently free and at the same time full whole and complete. So as we touch that wholeness, that completeness within us, let's remember that as we go into the day, that we are whole and complete just as we are, that there is nothing external that is needed, nothing needs to be added on to affirm our radiant wholeness. Let's feel the peace of that and take that peace with us into the day. Once again, Andrew Mellon, welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I always look forward to talking to you because I always um, receive some insight from you about how I can live more intentionally and let go of things that would hold me back. And, you know, as a teacher of Kriya Yoga, that's really the core of Kriya Yoga practice, which is intentional living. And it's arranging conditions in our life so that we can live a spiritually conscious um, free life. And so the work that you're doing, um, is, is just right in alignment with that. And congratulations on the new podcast coming up, uh, Unstuff, uh, America. I know it's going to be really great. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, and you've been teaching now for, for several years about how the things that we have can weigh us down and, um, and you've helped many people, I, I know, and we've really appreciated the workshops that you've uh, held at our center in San Jose. Well, tell us, you know, what inspired you to do this work uh, in in the beginning, you know, how to help people be more organized. Um, and, you know, we often think of more productive, which is part of it. But but what I really like about your work is that I, I see at the heart of it, you're, you're really helping us learn how to live more meaningful and happy lives. Yes. Um, well, it's so, it's so good to be back with you. And I'm, I, I, I love, uh, I love spending time, of course, at the center in San Jose. It feels like my spiritual home in, in the Bay Area, and that's, that's a tremendous gift. So I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to be here with you. Uh, and it was a lovely way to start our conversation off with that meditation. So thank you for that. Um, it's an interesting thing when I think about 
inspiration and what brought me to this work because it was nothing that I ever thought I would be doing. I worked in the theater for many years, I think you know that, and certainly the work that I did in the theater was um, focused on telling stories that would lead people towards personal discovery, uh, waking up, engaging in their lives in a more meaningful way, but it was in the construct of an extended metaphor, which if I was telling the story well, you would discern. And if I wasn't, Mm -hmm. perhaps you wouldn't discern it. So it was, I was a successful theater artist, and yet still there's always that gamble in a sense of, of when you're making art, will they get it? Do they get it? Does it matter? Is it connecting with them? And when I left the theater in Seattle, Washington that I had been running and I came back east, I co-produced an award ceremony at the Kennedy Center in D.C. and one of our awardees was a Nobel Peace Prize winner. And in the process of pulling together photographs for that presentation, They invited me to organize their photographs for them, and it was a job at that time. It was nothing that I thought was going to turn into what it is, and that's that's the magic of being alive and open, is that something is presented, and if you're receptive, as I was in that moment, and said, sure, now... In the moment, I, it was a job. It was a, it was a job for me to return to New York with. It was, I, I, I didn't, it was a new adventure, and there was not much thought behind it. Uh, as I dug into the work, and, in, and in, let's be clear that I never went to work for that, for that Nobel Peace Prize winner. We rescheduled three or four times, and then they said, when we're ready to proceed, we'll get back in touch with you. So, I didn't go to work for them, but in, the, in those three or four months that I was waiting to go to work for them, I told everybody I got this gig, and that led to other people referring me to people who needed help creating systems and organization. And that, the word of mouth spread very rapidly, and work just kept coming and coming. And as I dug deeper into the work, I started to recognize that the stuff changed from person to person, but what lied under it, laid under it, what was lying under it was the story, <laughs> and that the story was pretty consistent. Uh, it had many flavors in the way that we as human beings have many, many flavors, but ultimately we're we're the same, and... What I discovered was that the story, uh, there's a a story that we tell ourselves that is hyper-specific to us and our attachment to objects and the way that we order our lives through objects. And then there's, there's another story which is pretty universal in Western culture, which is too much stuff, not enough time. Too much to do, not enough time. And... I was a director for many years and a playwright, so so story has always interested me. And the the tremendous 
dissatisfaction, discomfort that people were experiencing as a result of their inharmonious relationships with objects caught my attention. So it, it was inevitable that I would drill down into this and find something below it that engaged me fully, spiritually, mentally, uh, emotionally, physically. And uh, it became the focus of my work. So people still come to me for surface issues. They come to me. It's an easy way to meet people is to start talking about stuff because everybody's got it. Most everybody's got it. I mean, there are people in abject poverty, obviously, or people who have chosen uh, specifically to live with less who don't have it. But for most people, stuff is around them, and it has often accumulated without much awareness, mindfulness, thought. It just arrives however it's gotten there. Uh, You purchased it. Somebody dropped it off. You found it. Somebody gave it to you. Somebody left the planet and you inherited it. It finds its way to us. Uh, So looking at how how to be an agent for change in uh, healing that soul sickness that people are bound up in, in this unconscious relationship with stuff where they are creating very real and physical obstacles to happiness, to freedom, to connectedness, to intimacy, to a life of meaning. just made sense to me that that was far more interesting to me than rearranging people's closets, which I'm quite adept at. But, you know, I mean, it's the low-hanging fruit, right? I mean, you can, anybody can do that. I have many colleagues who are quite capable of doing that. And it's not that I'm uniquely suited for this work. I'm, I'm sure that there are many other people in my industry who have a bigger approach to clutter, disorganization, uh, inefficiency. For me, this is where I choose to spend my time. Well, thank you, Andrew, for there's so many things that that I hear in what you say about, you know, how you got into this work, you know, and um, I think it often happens that way. You know, we we are following along in our life and then we find a path that is our path. And then, you know, what I've noticed about my own path in in teaching uh, and, and what I do is that everything in my life. Um, contributed, you know, to bringing my skill sets to the work that I do. So it makes sense to me that your fascination, you know, with story coming out of your experience with theater um, is such a beautiful backdrop, you know, for the work that you do. Um, because we do have stories that we tell about our stuff, you know, stories that we tell ourselves. And, you know, one of the stories that I have about my stuff right now that I think is not uncommon that I'm telling myself all the time is that there's too much of it. And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and I experience that probably on a daily basis, you know, there's just like, and there's so much of it. Uh, and I'm a fairly organized person, um, but it's, it, it, it becomes, um, 
the very volume of it, you know, becomes an obstacle to um, doing anything about it. And, you know, we do live in such an interesting time in the West, I think, where there's a whole host of things that go along with this, you know, that that stuff. Um, you know, we live in a time where uh, things have become very cheap, you know, in terms of manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, people can easily have too much stuff. Yeah. And um, it has an impact, of course, on the environment, on the planet. Um, and that a lot of times remains out of our purview, you know, out of our, our, our sense of it. But I'm I'm aware of that. And so when I look at my stuff, you know, I, I'm aware of my footprint uh, on mm-hmm. the planet as well. Um, so I think the work you're doing is is really important, you know, to help us turn that around because, you know, as consumers, um, it's you know, once you're on the spiritual path and you begin to wake up and look at how you're living your life consciously or not, you know, you see that, you know, as a consumer, it you you can easily become consumed um, <laughs> you know, by your by your stuff. So, you know, how do our, how do you see, you know, this stacking up of possessions uh, getting in the way of moving forward with our lives and what is really ours to do? Well, I mean, that's, it's part of the birth of Unstuff America as a podcast was really to, to start having that conversation in a much more pointed way. I feel like there, so there's, on the macro level and the micro level, we, the world, our country looks the way it does because we are so out of alignment with our values as a nation, as people. Uh, and that, as I said, there's a macro version of that and a micro version of it. The micro version of it is, I've shared with this, I've shared this with you before, I, I know, um, certainly at the center and probably in our conversations, that clutter is nothing more than deferred decisions. It's, it's everything that you've set down with the story and, and the best of intentions that you will get back to it later, an undefined later, which in its nature means never. So you set something down you, with a story and a promise that you will get back to it. You don't get back to it. And then you put something else on top of it. And in the meantime, you have all of this, all of this um, underdeveloped desire to participate in a vigorous, meaningful way in your life, in the life of the people that you are intimate with, in your most tight community, whether that's your block or your apartment building, your neighbors, your extended family, your uh, larger community, your city, your town, your state, uh, the country. But you can't get there because you're trapped in this, in this cycle of accumulation, mindless, and by mindless, there's no judgment there. I, I mean, by mindless, I mean the opposite of mindful, right? That there is, <laughs> there's no attention there. You're just picking things up and bringing them home for whatever reason. It, it may or may not even be a semi-examined moment when you pick it up. You might be thinking, do I really need this? And then it's a perfect opportunity for the listeners, for all of us to just 
pause there and really consider, think of the life cycle of that object and are you willing to assume responsibility for its entire life cycle from the moment you hold it in your hand until either you leave the planet or it disintegrates, what's going to happen with it and are you prepared to be its rightful steward? If you're not, then the best thing to do is just to set it down and walk away from it. It if it's not going to enhance the quality of your life and you're not prepared to engage in that deep way with it, it probably doesn't belong in your life. And you can take a quick scan around your home, your office, your car, wherever you might be in this moment, and look at all of the things that are surrounding you and have that same conversation, even though you're midway in that relationship by now, right? It's, you already have it near you. So you, you, did, you did start to date it and court it in some way, and now you get to have a moment of reckoning with yourself, which is hopefully a kind, compassionate inquiry, not a judgy, shamey, belligerent investigation, because this isn't a gotcha experience. We're not trying to blame anybody for the things that are surrounding us, but in that gentle, open-hearted way, how do we look at the things that are surrounding us and evaluate, is this serving any meaningful purpose in my life, not only about comfort, convenience, or beauty, but is it supporting me in living my values on a daily basis? In that same way that we want to begin our day with some mindful reflection and align ourselves and, and start, launch ourselves into the day with greater clarity and ability to be an agent of change for the spiritual awakening of the planet, for ourselves, for the people that we're around. Are these things supporting you in that journey, or are they just weights that you're dragging around behind you that are slowing your progress, possibly even to the point of standing still? Mm. <laughs> Those are such great questions. And... They make perfect sense, you know, as a way to, you know, look at our possessions and to ask clear questions. You know, are, are these things that I'm uh, that I have in my home, in my office, in my car, are they supportive of living my values, living my purpose uh, on a daily basis? And Okay, Andrew, here's the deal. You're ready? <laughs> so yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, as I'm listening to you, I think, well, um, so I, I have, like, say, as an example, I have a pair of jeans that I love. You know, they're, they're like, you know, the ones that feel like second skin when you put them on, you know, yes. they're just... Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they start to, after a while, those jeans, you know, really look worn. And so if I'm going to lead a retreat, you know, they're not really the jeans to wear when no. I'm leading a retreat because they not look anymore. a little too shabby. Yeah. So then I get a new pair of jeans. But when I get the new pair of jeans, I don't want to let go of those second skin jeans. Um, and 
And so, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, how many I, seconds I, do you need, though? That's the question. Because <laughs> so had, if they're the newest had, second skins, then <laughs> is there a third or a fourth pair that were your favorites before these new, now old jeans became your second skin? And are yeah. those still in the closet? Yeah, they are because right. you know they're they're comfortable and yeah, so it 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 ends up like that. And I and I've had a thing about okay, you know, there's that rule, like okay, if you're going to get you know a new pair of pants, then you have an old pair of pants that goes. Or you know, for a while, I felt I had too many things, so I would get rid of two things when I brought in one. That was a, mm-hmm. kind of a nice system. Sure. But I do notice this tendency. Um, because I do think that things have value or they're beautiful or I don't want to let them go, that that I do end up with, you know, for example, more jeans than I can really wear. So how do we unhook that? So it's excellent. Thank you for sharing that. It's excellent to, (laughs) to recognize the story right? The yumminess of the jeans, all of the places you've worn those jeans, how comfortable they feel, all of that is true. And so it's, it's, this goes back to improv training. Yes. And rather than yes, but yes. And they are, they are yummy and delicious and I can't wear them to the places that I need to wear them. So they now become the, the casual jeans that I can wear to garden or to do something, but how many pairs of jeans do you need to do that? So we don't want to throw anything in the garbage except something that is garbage, and hopefully most things are compostable, so even those will decay in a mindful way as opposed to just ending up in landfill. Some things are sadly going to be garbage. We want to reduce our impact as much as we can, so we're creating the least amount of plastic that we can. And we can talk about that in a minute. You know, the choice of buying something in a plastic clamshell versus buying something at a farmer's market where there is no wrapping. So there's less petroleum-based product that needs to then be broken down, hopefully in some way that's not going to toxify the the planet. But that's a tangent. I don't want to get into that. Going back to you and your genes or anybody and their genes, (laughs) we know that they're not going to go to waste, whether some other person is going to discover them in a secondhand store and think, oh my God, these are the perfect genes for me. I've been waiting for these genes. Or they're going to end up as insulation in somebody else's home. The genes are not going to go to waste. The money that you spent to purchase the genes has, you, you can, if you need to do the math, you can amortize it out and say, well, you know, I wore the jeans for four years. I paid $112 for them. That means that, you know, I rented the jeans for 72 cents a day. Well worth it for me. You know, the math, I can set the math aside. So the money math value piece is relatively easy to disconnect from. Then there's the, well, I don't want them to end up in the garbage. They're still good. That can be mitigated by, again, recognizing that there's somebody who couldn't buy jeans for $112, but could buy them for $19 at the thrift store, or 
possibly get them at a at a shelter or a halfway house for free because you donated them to some place where they were provided to people who didn't have any money to buy clothing but definitely need clothing. So there's plenty of ways for us to keep those genes in the world clothing somebody in a meaningful way that doesn't that doesn't keep them in your closet. And at the, at the bottom of the food chain, if you will, we send them to a textile recycling place where they're shredded up and turned into in, superior insulation that is naturally flame retardant and will keep somebody's home climate controlled, which will reduce their energy footprint. And so we just have to deconstruct that because often in the same way that we mindlessly shut down the investigation as we're bringing something in, we often stop the investigation on the way out because it, we tell ourselves the, the story that crops up there often is, oh, it's so much work. I don't want to have to think that hard. So that is a perfect moment of awareness. If you can hold on to that and remember that the next time you pick up something, remember how it felt to have to re- remove this from my life. I don't want to have to be that engaged in moving this through my life, that can be an, inf- an incredibly powerful moment to inform your choice as you're picking something up. Aha, remember what it was like to let something go? I don't want to do that that often. It costs me emotionally, psychically, spiritually to, to walk that process because I want to be a good steward. So... In that moment, do I really want to bring this in, knowing what is the full responsibility, the full arc of this process? Perhaps it's better to just leave this here. <laughs> yes, that's, that is so great to really think of the, <clears throat> the full experience of bringing something into our life. We're going we're gonna to take a break now, and when we get back, um, Andrew, I'd, l- I'd like to talk a little bit about you know, how we begin to to live this way in terms of unstuffing our life that allows us to, in a sense, be more satisfied with what we have, mm-hmm. you know, to, to break this cycle of accumulating more and more. You're yes, glass to- half full. Yes, you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest today, Andrew Mellon, an organizational expert, public speaker, and the number one best-selling author of Unstuff Your Life. You can learn more about Andrew and his work at his website, andrewmellon.com. That's spelled M-E-L-L-E-N. And you can uh, sign up for his uh, newsletter, which is very informative, and, and you'll also learn about his Uh, upcoming new podcast and we'll be right back with you in just a few minutes unity online radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics giving to the network is now easier than ever simply text unity radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support.
I'm Dr. Tom Shepard, host of Let's Talk About It on Unity Online Radio. In my studies of world religions, I've repeatedly encountered two central spiritual questions. How do we make sense of life, and how do we live it more successfully? You're invited to explore these two questions with me in my new book, The Many Faces of Prayer, How the Human Family Meets Its Spiritual Needs. You'll be amazed at the remarkable ways people have learned to pray to their gods and to celebrate life individually and as communities of faith. Learn more at unitybooks.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien. And today I'm talking with Andrew Mellon, an organizational expert and the author of the book, Unstuff Your Life. And we've been talking about, you know, how, um, well, really how to live more intentionally, you know, how to come into right relationship with things so that things are supportive of our life and um, are not an obstacle to living fully and freely. And the topic that came up for me, you know, Andrew, as we were closing the first segment of the program is, um, you know, how how is it that we can, um, in a sense, drop out of, consciously drop out of um, the kind of prevailing um, way in, in America, at least, of, you know, the need to acquire more and more. And, um, of course, yoga is all about that. You know, it, it's about experiencing our own wholeness and knowing that we don't need more externally in order to um, be whole, in order to be happy. So how do you approach this, um, you know, in your field in terms of organization and helping people unstuff their lives? I mean, it seems to me when we talk about, you know, we were talking last uh, segment about environmental impact, you know, um, the impact on our lives, our energy, when we know we have to be stewards of the stuff that we bring in, um, but of course, there's also a larger price tag in terms of the the global uh, environment, and you know when we look at what we're uh, accumulating. So, um, how do you help people um, learn to appreciate and experience that wholeness, that happiness with what they have, and and really free themselves from that need to have, you know, 
whether it's one more pair of jeans that we were talking about in the first segment or it's, you know, um, what, you know, one more technological device. Right. The new iPhone, anything, anything. And and yeah, that's not a dig at Apple. It's just anything, you know, I mean, Apple's in the business of making technology. That's fine. Yes. So there's a, again, it's a macro and a micro thing on the micro level. What is most personal is most universal. I learned that uh, in college when we were again in, in, in studying the building blocks of creating meaningful theater and that that is where we all connect again whether that's the collective unconscious uh, unconsciousness that we all that is moving through all of us soul spirit whatever we want to call it um but returning to our core values i'll tell everybody that um you can you can go to Unstuff University to the library. You can join for free. There's no charge to join Unstuff University. You have access to the library. There's a bunch of free resources there. One of the things that is there uh, is a series of core value exercises. They're also in my book, Unstuff Your Life. They're also available if you Google core value exercises, you'll get a million hits in 15 seconds. So you don't have to do mine. You can do anybody's. But I'm going to encourage everybody to do a set of core value exercises, even if you've done them at work as some sort of team building exercise. Do them yourself. Do them with your family. And really get clear for yourself, crystal clear about what is important to you. Because I'm going to, I, I, I know this to be true, that when you take, and it, it won't take more than 25 or 30 minutes to do these exercises. Set yourself a, someplace quiet where you won't be interrupted, where you won't distract yourself by what's going on on the Internet or on your phone, and just answer the questions. I know, having done this work for 21 years and worked with well over 100,000 people, that nothing that you're going to come up with on those values lists has anything to do with things, literally physical things. So when you can... When you can clarify that for yourself, that then becomes your benchmark or your touchstone as you're making choices, strategic choices, those micro decisions every day about do I turn left, do I turn right, do I pick this up, do I set it down. That is what you're going to use to inform your decisions. And one of the greatest gifts that you get from that work is you're no longer in that emotional state of trying to make a decision because you've already, you've already decided something for yourself in doing these exercises. You already gained clarity. So it, it relieves you of that momentary time compression where it feels like I have to make a critical decision, I'm uncomfortable, and we're focused on our relative comfort in that moment. So we capitulate. We say, Later. It's too intense. I'm going to walk away from it. Now, in any yoga practice, whether it's a physical, uh, you know, uh, uh, asana practice, it's a mindfulness meditation practice, the breath is, is all. It is all about, and as you've pointed out, as we know, we are complete. In every breath, we are complete. There is nothing that we are missing in that moment. So it's it's the it's the 
corollary or the relative of that of the breath are are these core values they are as essential to us as our breath and it it just it allows us to break free of that of that mind trap knowing that our minds just make thoughts in the way that our bodies experience sensation. It's just an experience. It's just a thought. We don't need to be attached to it. And if we can breathe through it, it will change. Inevitably, the thought will change. Often, though, we are so comfort-focused uh, and so discomfort-averse <laughs> that we just walk away from from that moment. So... I I encourage everybody to to recognize that particularly in western culture our comfort is so out of whack with basic human comfort right food clothing and shelter few people who are listening to this are naked other than by choice everybody has access to some form of nutritious food chances are they are under some roof that is not leaking. So your relative comfort is already taken care of. This other comfort, this ephemeral comfort that you might be consciously, unconsciously pursuing is unnecessary because you're already as comfortable as you need to be. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, what we learn, of course, in, in yoga practice, meditation practice, spiritually conscious living, is to be in touch with that comfort zone, which is really being in touch with our essential wholeness. And when we can be in touch with that, it does become much easier, you know, to, to live our values. And um, I really appreciate you bringing up, you know, a values exercise experience because if we don't have um, a map, in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. for how we want to live, then then we have we have no tether, you know, for making those um, decisions which we have to make every day about, right. you know, what we're going to let in in terms of possessions, but also in terms of commitments, you know, what, what we're going to do with our time. So, you know, there's the physical aspect of things, but then there's also, you know, our life can get full, not with things, but with commitments um, and involvements. And so we always have to make those decisions. And I think in knowing um, what the direction is of our ship, um, you know, right now I'm doing a course and that's a year-long uh, web-based course that's called Dharma 365. And it's it's about how to live a dharmic life. In other words, a life of higher purpose every day. Um, and that's really um, exactly what you're talking about. We, we need to know what our values are and then live intentionally. And when we have that, I think it does make it easier, you know, to say yes, a full-hearted yes, and to say Say no, um, a full-hearted no. Because exactly. we, I think it's essential to to have clarity around it, as opposed to a vague, fuzzy notion. Because often people will say, "Oh, I know what's important to me," and yet 
they don't go any deeper than that. And again, there's no judgment in saying that. It's just an observation that somebody will say, oh, my family is really important to me, and yet they're late to their kid's soccer game, or they say, oh, just a few more minutes and I'll be with you. It's in those moments, in fact, the family isn't what is most important to them. It's this mm-hmm. other thing that is temporary, that is a distraction or possibly an interruption. And there's that bad math equation of, I'm just going to get this out of the way and then I'm going to return to the things that are really important. But as we know, it, in every one of those micro decisions, we're either doing the thing that is important to us or we're deferring it. Uh, have you seen that that um, the demonstration of the guy with the three bowls, the bowl with sand, the bowl with the rocks, and the empty bowl? And he asks you, "Can you get all the rocks and all the sand into this empty bowl?" And everybody who tries to put the sand in first and then put the rocks in fails. But if you put the rocks in first and pour the sand around the rocks, suddenly it all fits in the bowl perfectly. And it's the same thing with our life. If if we keep deferring the big, important, meaningful activities because we we have this bad construct of I'm just going to get this little crap out of the way and then I'm going to really dig in you're you're doing it backwards mhm exactly and i find um in order to not do it backwards and order to not get carried away in really the the force of um, unconscious living, we we have to take frequent, I mean, we have first, you know, to have this ground of what our values are, how we want to live. Um, And so we want to live dharmically, we want to live with higher purpose, and we know what that looks like, we know what it means, you know, we know what the priorities are. But then we have to take, you know, what I'm going to call soul breaks, (laughs) we have to take soul (laughs) breaks uh, every day. And not only in the morning, first thing, a meditation that sets the tone for the day in terms of this is the the value I have is to live consciously. So if that's my value, I have to start the day with that um, and set that template, set that tone um, as the trajectory of how I'm going to live. And then I think it's important to take soul breaks throughout the day. And what I mean by that is just... Um, you know, a mind, uh, an intention, you know, a mindful intention, um, to have moments throughout the day where we're examining, you know, how am I doing what I'm doing and am I living my values right now? Mm-hmm. And if not, you know, what do I need to do to recalibrate? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's not just a matter of knowing what our values are and then, you know, deciding we're going to do it in order to do it. Um, you know, I find for me, for sure, that I have to um, learn how to breathe uh, throughout the day sure. and ask myself, you know, because what I do is what I really want to do. And it's really important to me. And I, I'm hopeful that it makes a positive contribution in life. Mm-hmm. But I also notice that even with work that is spiritual work that is so valuable, um, I, I can get lost in it, and it can become a task, um, you know, like anything else. And so in order to have it not be that and to not lose my soul in the process, I have to have um, a practice, you know, throughout right. my day, uh, you know, well, of then, coming back. 
And the great thing is that your breath is always with you. It's not like you you might not remember where your keys or your car or your phone or your wallet is, but your breath is always with you. So it's a great it's a great way to course correct during the day, of course. Mm-hmm. At any point, you can just breathe and say, "Okay, so how?" And as you said, "How am I doing? Am I in alignment?" And it it is a practice that we hopefully get better at the more we bring attention to it. That at any moment, we can either plow ahead unconsciously, or we can pause, reflect, and then still proceed in exactly the same direction or course correct it's it's an amazing uh, it's an amazingly accessible and universally uh, available opportunity it's equal opportunity it it has nothing to do with money or privilege or um status anybody can breathe and pause and decide Hmm. This is not. This is not unfolding in the way that I'm. I'm happy about. I. I feel out of alignment. I'm not. I'm. I. I want to do something else. And even though it might be uncomfortable or awkward, it will certainly be less uncomfortable and awkward in that moment to course correct than if you took three more steps down the road and then had to. Partly with the knowledge that you're creating a bigger mess for yourself that you're just going to have to disentangle in a few, you know, in a few more minutes or a few more days. The longer you wait, the further you walk down that road, the more complicated you're making things. So mm. it, it, the sooner you course correct, the less likely they'll the, – it's – I don't want to use the term damage control, but I'm, for shorthand, I'm going to use it that, that the course correction or the damage control becomes much more manageable the, the sooner you have that awareness or that recognition, oh, yeah, this is not going to play out well. I should just stop. I should, I, even if it, what it, it requires is an apology or an amend and to say, wow, I, I'm, I was crazy there for a moment. I was really driving this agenda forward, and it really has nothing to do with anything that we're doing here. I'm so sorry. I was just caught up in something, and I, I want to just breathe for a moment and let that go, and let's do something else. It's so easy to do. I, let's say it's so simple to do. It isn't necessarily easy. Our culture doesn't support that idea of being uh, calm and reflective and not swept up. I mean, and particularly, again, we're, we're in a time right now where uh, unconsidered reactivity is somehow exalted as um, being uh, uh, unencumbered with thought or care as if that were of value. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, you know, the ability to just breathe and say, wow, what is really happening here? Let's, let's take a body scan. Let's take a spirit scan. Am I, am I still in alignment? And if not, how do I get back there? Right. And it, it seems that fundamental question is, you know, how present am I? And when we can be present, present to ourselves, present to others, we're, we're able to live our values. Um, Andrew, it's been such a joy to talk with you again. Mm-hmm. And, Thank um, you. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to your new podcast coming up and want to recommend to our listeners again that they visit your website, andrewmellon.com, where there's all kinds of uh, free resources. You can uh, uh, join his uh, mailing list, get his newsletter with some great tips and reminders um, for for how to live the life um, that you really want to live. And uh, I'm really grateful for you, Andrew, for the work you're doing in the world and, and also want to remind um, our Yoga Hour subscribers that there are other um, episodes with Andrew on Yoga Hour so you can just uh, go to um, unity.fm the Yoga Hour and uh, look for previous episodes with Andrew Yoga Hour is a service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment Meditation Center in the tradition of Kriya Yoga. To find out more about CSE, visit csecenter.org, csecenter.org. And thanks to everyone on the Yoga Hour team, producer and regular guest host, Dr. Laura Trujillo, assistant producers, Nita Kenyon, Sean Smith, and Ann Hayes, and of course, the ever-present Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, join me and Andrew in unstuffing our life, leading (laughs) a more focused, intentional uh, lives that allow us to shine our light into the world and to share our peace and our joy with all that we meet. Thanks again, Andrew. It was a joy talking with you. It was my pleasure. More love, less stuff. (laughs) Sounds great to me. (laughs) Look forward to next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Our words are one of the instruments with which we build our world. 
Everything is composed of energy in unique configurations of vibrations. Scientists tell us that sound vibrations affect physical matter. Think for a moment. What happens to your face and your body when you speak with joy, with concern, in anger, with excitement? A woman once described her feelings about the consoling comments of a friend. Your words reached out to me like a lifeline. Realizing how much you cared helped me know I didn't need to feel alone. When we recognize their power, we realize the wisdom of paying closer attention to the words we use and how we use them. Get into the habit of thinking before you speak. You'll never regret it. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 